Akidaki. <coughs> so this is a this is a topic that's pretty close to my heart, and um, something that is really very very uh, interesting, and I think necessary for us as believers. <coughs> A careful read of the book of Revelation shows us basically that the devil loses and Jesus wins. There's obviously not a lot more in that book, but <laughs> but that's the nuts and bolts. But the Bible doesn't tell us to fight the devil. You know, come on devil. We don't we're not told to fight the devil. But we're told to fight the good fight of the faith. That's where our fighting should be. As far as the devil concerned, believers are instructed to resist him. We don't need to fight the devil, just resist him. Fight the good fight of the faith. How is it that the devil can attack believers and and what well, how is it that the devil can attack believers and what does that have to do with authorities, powers, spiritual forces and the believer? And some say that the, it's only the strong Christians that get really close to God are the ones that the devil attacks. I've heard people say that. The devil only attacks those strong Christians because they're going to do the most damage to his kingdom. But others say it's the weak Christians that get attacked because they can't really defend themselves that well and they're not that close to God, so the devil just has a field day with them. I've heard other people say that we need to have a good knowledge and understanding of the word of God to avoid being attacked. Well, folks... I see no biblical evidence that supports any of these ideas and quite frankly, I think they're all a big load of rubbish and the biggest load of old rubbish I've ever heard. The Bible is very clear in saying that the devil schemes against Christians that he even sends fiery darts in our direction. Whether you're a strong Christian whether you're a weak Christian, whether you know the Bible back to front, just like the devil, he does. He will send fiery darts to anyone that has given their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, no matter what their standing is. We know that the desire to give, we know that the devil desires to give Christians a hard time. We know that. But, What can we do about it? And that's the thing. What can we do about it? If my understanding of scripture is correct, then it comes down, folks, to lifestyle choices. Depending on your lifestyle choice can determine how much or how little the devil might attack you in a particular area. Let me explain. <clears throat> I've got water here. I think I sang too hard today. <laughs> the throat feels a little bit raw. 
Thank you. Okay, let me explain. Galatians chapter 5 talks about the sinful nature. And, um, and it says that the sinful nature is contrary to being led by the Spirit. Giving in to attacks from the devil can eventually lead us to, to desiring the sinful nature. If we give in to what the devil wants us to do, then we are, in a sense, desiring the sinful nature. But here's another question. What is the sinful nature? Well, here's a list out of Galatians 5. <clears throat> it's a pretty awesome list. Galatians 5 talks about the sinful nature and it says that it is contrary to being led by the Spirit. Giving in to attacks from the devil can eventually lead to us desiring the sinful nature. What is the sinful nature? The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, says the scripture. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. Anyone here behave like that? I don't see any hands. It's a good sign. I warn you as I did, says Paul, I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, whilst we might say we don't do these things, there are areas in every person's life that needs to be addressed by God. And these areas, whatever they might be, are the areas of your life that need to be addressed by God. These are the areas where the devil's attacks will become the strongest. You know, if we, let's say, um, <clears throat> I don't know, let's say I have a problem with gambling or something like that, until I address that before God, the devil will always tempt me in that area. And I won't say, oh, look, instead of gambling seven days a week, I'm only going to do it for five. You know, I'm going to be really good and cut out two days. You might think, wow, I'm, this is, I've done this for a month. I'm going to cut out another two days. But, you know, the, the temptation is always there. And then you find, oh, man, I'm broke this week. My wife's taken most of my pay. I think I could just go and play the pokers and see if I can make it up again, you know. The temptation always comes back. But if we give it to God, he helps us through the temptation. And I think one of, I'm going to talk a little bit about this later on. But one of the most important things that we must do when we are tempted is to invite Jesus into the temptation. Invite him into the temptation. He is a part of our lives. And we shouldn't separate our heart into sections and say, well, here's a section for Jesus and here's a section for temptations. I'll try to you know, do it on my own. We can choose to go to God. That's our choice. <clears throat> the acts of the sinful nature 
and living a righteous life comes down to lifestyle choices. It comes, that's what it comes back to. Lifestyle choices. And the acts of the sinful nature and living a righteous life, it does come back to lifestyle choices. And it's one thing to choose a lifestyle, but it's another thing to live it out. You know that? It's one thing to choose a lifestyle. It's another thing to live it out. And a lot of people say, oh yeah, I choose Jesus, but there's a commitment involved. You know? There's a commitment. And that commitment has a reward at the end of the day, at the end of our day. There's an eternal reward. I don't know anyone that said, oh yeah, I really want to go to hell when I die. You know? It's like, there might be a few, but you know, 99% of people, whether they're believers or not, they say, yeah, oh, I want to go to heaven when I die. That's what we want. But then, if we want that, then there's a process, a lifestyle process and change to get to that point. Christians have an added bonus, which leaves little excuse for irresponsible behaviour. The devil is attacking, but the scriptures have some pointers that can help. <clears throat> the first key to resisting the devil is knowing the truth. Oh, I'm sorry, what is the truth? Jesus, Jesus is the way, the? Truth. Exactly. <clears throat> you got a lolly for this girl, Helen? <laughs> Jesus is the truth. So we need to know the truth. So if we need to know the truth, we need to know Jesus. How do we know Jesus? How do we get to know Jesus? Exactly. Exactly. Because the Word, which is the Bible, became flesh. So Jesus and the Bible are the same. Well, in principle, in thought. In understanding, <clears throat> Jesus won't tell us to do anything that's outside of Scripture. That's a given for Christianity. So we need to know the truth and we need to be telling the truth. The Scripture says that the truth will set you free. Have you, I don't know if you've ever been in the situation or you might know someone has been in the situation. And I did a bad thing one day. Well, I don't know if it was bad, but maybe you can judge me on it if you want to. I asked someone a question, and I already knew the answer to the question. Right? It wasn't a biblical question. It was like, oh, where were you yesterday? That kind of question. And that person lied to me. So do you know what I did? I kept asking more and more questions about that. And she lied and lied. She had to keep lying all the time. And after she lied about ten times, I thought, oh, I've had enough, you know. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. But maybe she should have told me the truth straight off. But when we tell lies, sometimes we've got to tell more lies to cover up, you know, but, and there's no freedom in that. 
But if we tell the truth, okay, you might get punished for because you've told the truth. If you've done something wrong, did you do such and such? Yes, okay, come and get a smack, whatever. But at least you've been set free. And the forgiveness is, if there is punishment, the forgiveness is there. And okay, it's done, it's over, let's move on. That's one kind of truth. There's another kind of truth, which is the scripture. And the scriptures set us free, folks, absolutely free from the bondage of sin and all the junk that comes with sin. So being truthful stops the devil from getting a foothold in the areas of lying, deceitfulness, gossip, undependability and untrustworthiness. So knowing the truth and telling the truth is the first key in resisting the devil. Step two for resisting the devil. Is there anybody here that doesn't want to resist the devil? Because I don't want to be wasting this sermon if you just want to, you know, just wander off after church and say, oh, there was a load of our rubbish. (laughs) Might as well go home now. So the second key to resisting the devil, which is thing that disappears, is living a righteous life. What is living a righteous life? What does that even mean? Righteousness. It means basically doing what is right according to God's standards. You know, we've got a Bible full of God's standards. Just follow that and you will live a righteous life. It, it also means integrity, uprightness in one's life. And when we do wrong according to God's precepts, we give the devil more than a foothold. In fact, we say, come on in, you know, give me another temptation. I'm not struggling with this, of course I am. So, living a righteous life is doing what is right according to God's standards. What's next? Number three, live at peace with others. Okay, none of that. The third key to resisting the devil is to live at peace with others. I've got my rights. I can sue if I want to. We should be spreading the gospel of peace, reconciliation. And that means reconciling unbelievers to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a good, that's the best reconciliation. We should be the example of how peace is lived out in the life of a believer. Displaying the opposite of peace. What's the opposite of peace, folks? Any ideas? Yep. Exactly. Displaying the opposite of peace gives will give the devil an opportunity in your life. <clears throat> Number four. Exercising faith. leave the lid off this exercising faith the fourth key to resisting the devil is exercising faith 
the devil will send his fiery darts to instill doubt, fear, guilt, those sorts of things. Exercise faith. Do you know how to exercise faith? Pray. Pray and pray believing. And you know when you pray and you pray believing and God answers the prayer, you've exercised faith. And it gives you confidence to pray a second time and a third and so on. Faith acts as an invisible shield that deflects false accusations. Without faith, folks, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. The fifth key to resisting the devil, folks, is maintaining our salvation. Sometimes doubts creep in. Assurance of salvation is a powerful defence against doubt and insecurity. You know, some believers I know are not really sure if their name is in the Lamb's Book of Life or not. I think it probably is, but um, I'm not really sure because... I do some wrong things in my life and maybe... No. We have to get to the point where we own our salvation. We own our salvation and we know without a shadow of a doubt, my name's in the book. And there's no uncertainty. The devil can attack our mind and attack our thoughts. Make sure you are 100% positive that your name is in the Lamb's book of life. Number six, resisting the devil. The Bible, the Word of God, the Word of God, the Bible, the Sword of the Spirit, they're all one and the same. The sword, folks, I don't have one here, it's a weapon. Yeah? The, the, the sword is not a defensive, it's an attack. It's something you use to attack, not defend. Not so much. You can, I suppose in a sword fight, you do defend yourself against someone else's sword, don't you? But you also. The sword is a weapon of the Holy Spirit. Jesus used the sword of the Spirit against the devil. I bet Jesus was just laughing inside when the devil tempted him. This guy's got no hope. He doesn't even realise I am the Word. (laughs) But the devil, oh well. The living Word is powerful, effective and instructive. The seventh and final key to resisting the devil, folks, is prayer. Prayer opens the channels between us and God. In the midst of the battle, we as believers must keep in constant communication with our Lord for directions and for encouragement. Here we go. This is what I'm leading up to. The armour of God. 
Finally, be strong in the Lord. I'm going to underline that. Can I do that? Cool. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour. Whoops. Try that one again. It's a bit hard with the finger. The full armour of God. So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, folks, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But against the rulers, against the forces of evil. Whoops. In the heavenly realms. Yeah. So, therefore put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, Feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. That's supposed to say take. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit. Pray in the spirit. That's a good thing to do, isn't it? Praying in the Spirit. On all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert, pardon me, and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. All right. Now, in conclusion, I want to finish up by briefly going through each piece of the armour. The belt of truth. If you believe the scriptures to be the truth, then you've got the belt on. You've got it on. A lady said to me one day, every morning when I wake up, I put on my armour. I said to her, every night when you go to bed, don't take it off. (laughs) Oh, I never thought of that, yes. Just leave it on. So if you believe that the scriptures are the truth, then you have the belt on. If you believe that it is only God's righteousness in us that is good enough for salvation, folks, you are wearing the breastplate. Amen. The shoes for the gospel of peace. Having in you the very peace that characterised Jesus in his life and ministry, these shoes or sandals keep us anchored firm in the Lord Jesus, not to mention the peace that we feel. So, if you believe that you are anchored firm in the Lord Jesus, folks, you're wearing those shoes. The helmet of salvation. 
If you have received salvation and you know without the shadow of a doubt that you are saved, then you are wearing the helmet. I ride a motorbike. I don't go anywhere without the helmet. It protects my brain, you know, if I fall off. The sword of the Spirit. This is the Bible. If you place readings of the Bible, folks, into your heart, into your heart, then you are holding the sword. It's not a matter of walking around with your Bible in your hand, saying, oh, I've got the sword of the Spirit, right? It's not about what's in the hand. It's about what's in the heart. I was rebuked one day, several years ago, for coming to church and I'd left my Bible at home. Okay. I said, it's in my heart. It's in my heart. I understand biblical concepts. Not, you know, I don't know every word, but I understand biblical concepts. And, you know, it's in my heart. When Jesus was tempted, he used the sword of the Spirit. Now, Dev... He fled. He fled. And what do we got here? Believers complain, and some are even proud that the devil is attacking them. Oh, I was attacked by the devil last night. Mm. It comes down to lifestyle choices and how you apply the scriptures. If believers can live a blameless, godly life, then the devil will have to flee every time. He might come a-knocking, but if you live a blameless and a holy life, he can't undo that door. He can't unlock that door. So, pray in regard to your lifestyle choices. Pray to change your lifestyle choices. Pray about your lifestyle choices. Pray for your lifestyle choices. It's about our lifestyle choices. We need to have choices that are biblically... There might be another Bible here somewhere. That are biblically uh, based. That's what our lifestyle choices should be. I'm not saying you shouldn't go shopping or anything like that. Or or you know, watch footy or you know, watch motor, motorsport or whatever. I'm not saying that. But it's the priority that those things have in your life. It's the priority. So that's it, folks. I'm going to finish with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the full armour of God. And Lord, we thank you that we can have each piece of the armour on and we can understand, Lord, what those pieces mean. And we can understand the protection that we have from the word of God. And Lord, the devil roams around all day long. Who can I attack? This one or that one? Lord, help us to be fully equipped like a soldier in God's army, a soldier in your army, 
that we can be fully equipped, ready to defend and ready to attack when necessary. Help us, Lord, with our everyday lifestyle choices. Help us to be motivated by Scripture, motivated by the Holy Spirit, and not just to hear from the Holy Spirit, Lord, but to respond to the instruction. Be with us today, Lord, tomorrow and forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by Wattle City Church. If you Google Wattle City Church, you'll find us on Anchor, Spotify, Facebook, YouTube, and a whole bunch of other platforms. Feel free to listen. We pray that you'll be encouraged by this message and by other messages that you listen to. We praise God and we pray blessings upon you in Jesus' name. Amen.